0: Hey Cinda.
1: Hey, Phil.
0: You want to talk about learning to improv?
1: Yes, but don't write any show notes and let's just improv the show.
0: Uh okay. Welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts who's just making up this intro, Phil.
1: (laughs) And I am your other host who definitely isn't reading any lines, senda. So for tonight's topic, Wade asked us, Hey pandas, medium-time listener, first-time caller, love your show. I'd like to request a show about how a GM can learn to wing it. I've heard Phil mention multiple times that he used to be horrible at improvising gameplay on the spot and that he learned how to buy up his skill points in this field. I am a GM with very poor on-the-flyness and would like to improve my improvised gaming skills. Pandas, please help out a GM. Thanks! Firstly, awesome question, right? And I think that that is something that a lot of GMs struggle with, especially if you come at the hobby from a little bit more of a traditional approach, right?
0: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, and I did, right? Like, I came up, you know, I came up through, you know, the 80s and 90s and all of that. And um, I was super intimidated by GMs who, um let me preface this right because we're going to talk we're going we're to talk a little <laughs> bit about this but there's this great quote from an essay about um, improv GMing from Unframed which is the engine publishing book all about imp- improv gaming and the thing that I really like about it is that like look we're always, we're always improvising like the second the game starts yeah. even if you have prep in front of you you're still improvising because you don't know what the players are doing Right. right. But when we talk about when we talk about GMs who wing it and who improvise, the thing that always intimidated me were the GMs who'd be like, I wrote my whole prep on a post-it note. And I ran like twenty-five sessions from three sentences that I wrote. Cause, you know, I don't have to think about a thing. I just let it happen all at once. Right? And like that was like super intimidating. Like I was the kind of person who prepped like many, many pages of notes and had like all sorts of details and stuff like that. And the thing was, like, I was running good games. Like, my yeah. games were entertaining. They were, you know, they were really good, but like, I was super intimidated by it. And I know a bunch of people, like, throughout my career as a GM who would do, who said that stuff all the way up until Sneezak. And then I was like, fine, I'm just going to learn how to do this. Right. Like, Whatever it is he's doing, I'm going to figure it out.
1: I remember the first time that we played a game. Well, it wasn't the first game we played together. We played Ninja Panda Taco first. But the first game you ever played with me, and it was just Lasers and Feelings. But I had a a, a one sentence written down because that's how that game works, right?
0: Yeah, literally for Lasers and Feelings. And (laughs) you were super
1: impressed.
0: I was impressed. And for Lasers and Feelings, to be honest, in retrospect... That is how much prep you should have for lasers.
1: It is exactly, yes.
0: And we'll talk about why because um, it'll play into a number of things that we're talking about tonight. When we're talking about improvisation time, we're going to talk about that thing about like, you know, I'm showing up with my notes in like an index card or I wrote them on the head of a penny, like that kind of (laughs) thing. Like we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk a little bit about building up your skills for like in-game improv as well and it can totally be done because i was definitely i was definitely a very traditional game master who became a very improvisational in- game master and then actually blended the two back together because yeah i've actually there are times where i prep more and there are times where i prep less and now i use it as i now use it as a tool not as like my only style like i, I can yes. i can bounce between them
1: Yeah, the thing that makes you the master GM.
0: So, cool. Ready to get into this? Yeah. Okay.
1: But first, why don't you uh, set us up with some definitions
0: to work with? Yeah, let's get into a few of them uh, really quick. The first one we're going to define is improvisation, right? This is the winging it. Otherwise, you know, aka winging it. And I'm going to give you two definitions because the first definition is the one I think that hangs everyone up. And the second definition is the one that I like a whole lot better. Um, The first dictionary definition for improvisation is create and perform music, drama, or verse spontaneously or without preparation, right? That sounds super intimidating, right? Like somebody Uh just played a whole musical piece from nothing.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: The second one is produce or make something from whatever is available, Mm-hmm. and that's the one i really like cuz that first definition is the one that sounds really daunting and honestly it just kept me from even trying improv for a long time but in understanding the second one like that seemed a lot more doable like oh make something from things that i already have like yeah i can do that right like that's a that sounds reasonable i'm not you know i'm not synthesizing a concerto from you know, from the ether, you know, while I'm playing it. No, I'm taking stuff that's laying around the room and I'm sticking it together to make something like that. I could totally do. Okay. So we're going to focus in on that second definition tonight, because I think that's a big key into getting people over the hump for improv. All right. The next one we're going to talk about is prep. And I literally wrote the definition for prep. Right. Uh huh. You did. Right. Like I actually And the book.
1: And and the book, right?
0: (laughs) Like I wrote this definition in the book, and this is the definition for prep, right? Prep is the work we do to be comfortable to be prepared enough to be comfortable enough to run a game session. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that's the whole purpose of prep. The whole purpose of prep is to not want to throw up when you sit down at the table. Right. (laughs) Right. So when you're a younger GM, like that prep is a lot because it Mm -hmm. takes a lot. You know, making you not want to throw up before you sit down behind the, behind your game master screen, and later in your career, it becomes like less and less and less because you'll as we as we 'll talk about your other improv skills can eventually learn to kind of fill in those things so anyway, we prep in order to be comfortable to run the session, what we prep, how we prep, how long we do it, what we decide to write down, what we decide to keep in our heads, what tools we use, whether we do it alone, whether we collaborate whatever. All of that is going to be up to uh, is up to you, and it 's going to be whatever it is that makes you comfortable um, I again would refer you to never unprepared where I kind of talk about this in depth. We That's literally cool. could just do a whole podcast on on prep by itself yep. right like I could talk about I could talk about ways to prep till the cows come home all right, but the only thing that matters is that once you have done your prep, you are comfortable enough to run the game right Mm -hmm. like that that is that's it okay so now we're going to talk about a couple of other couple of other terms that are going to come up as we are uh, as we're having this discussion tonight these are slightly smaller definitions but why don't you hit me up with the first one i'm gonna let you do a definition tonight
1: what
0: i'll let you do a couple definitions tonight
1: thanks okay so let me let me just take a stab at this one this one is plots So a plot is the main event of a play, novel, movie, or similar work devised and presented by the writer as an interrelated sequence, right? So our games have plots that often mimic other types of stories we've consumed Mm -hmm. in our lives.
0: Uh, Our next definition is beats. And for the definitive discussion of beats, go check out Misdirected Mark episode 249 where we go into beat structure and uh, beat analysis, but beats are the building blocks of our story, right? Like if we break down our story, they're the little blocks, they're the atomic units of story. Like in a film, a beat refers to an event, decision, or discovery that alters the way the protagonist pursues his or her goals, right? That like That's the quote from Wikipedia. And a group of beats comprise a scene, and then beats combine together to make scenes, like each scene can have a beat, and those all combine together to make a story.
1: So the last one is tropes. And a trope is a common or overused theme or device. So those are things like, you know, trash can bonfire with homeless people around it in a dark alley. Like, that is a trope.
0: Right. So if you want to convey, if you want to convey cold and poor neighborhood, right? Right. Like the trope then is... you have
1: a burning trash can with people huddled around it. And what kind, of, and what kind of gloves... gloves. Fingerless. So tropes, while they tend to be kind of overused, that's how they get to be tropes because they are the things we associate with the genre because they happen so much. They can be really useful when we talk about improv because they are those shortcuts.
0: Absolutely. Those are going to be really key as we get into this. So with, uh, with that list of definitions, we can now talk a bit about how to improve your improv.
1: Yay. So in order to do that, we're going to look at this from two angles like we do.
0: Uh we're going to first talk about it from the prep side.
1: And then we're going to talk about it from the playing side.
0: So cool. Let's get into uh, let's get into prep.
1: Awesome. So the first thing that people I think don't necessarily think about is that there is prep in improv. But it's not necessarily what we think of as prep. Right? right? It doesn't look the same way as your
0: Traditional prep. Let's let's yes. define the other one. Prep. Let's yeah. define the other one as traditional prep because when we talk about prep, the the way that we often think about it is the idea of written session notes with outlines of scenes and scripted text or box text for you know things to be read and encounter write ups and all of that kind of stuff, uh, and that is uh, pretty traditional prep, right? Like if you mm-hmm. if you came up through you know the earlier days of gaming. That's a lot of what your prep would look like. So we'll call that traditional prep because what we're going to talk about for improv is a bit different. And like I said, I did traditional prep for years.
1: Yeah, that's that was the prep that I was never super good at. <laughs> I tried and failed. But we also said in the definitions that the other definition of improv was... Uh, to produce or make something from whatever is available. That was the definition that we actually really liked, right? So prep for improv is to make things available so that you can produce something from it at a later date. Like, you can't improv a dinner if there's no food in your kitchen. That's why there's always cans of random stuff on my shelves, because I can always throw food together even if I haven't been grocery shopping in a while, right? Like, there's always a meal there somewhere. I just have to figure it out. So basically, we need to talk about how you can stock your mental pantry so that you have that, the cans of stuff on the shelves, so you can just pull it down and make something out of it, even though you don't necessarily have the recipe in front of you, right?
0: Yes, exactly. Now, I wrote an article about this back in 2009, which apparently, <laughs> according to my math, is nine nine years
1: ago uh-huh. I wrote this article. You're old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hmm. Um, so, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, but, uh, it's an article that I wrote called the proper care and feeding of your creativity. And it's what we're going to use for the rest of this, uh, prep sec- section So here's like a general overview of, of what that article was about, but I encourage you to uh, grab the show notes and take a look at the article in its entirety.
1: Right because it has more details than we're going to go into right now. But basically, in order to have things to work with, you need to consume media and experience life. Because what you're getting from those are experiences and tropes and all of that knowledge stuff, right? So along the way, as you're doing that, you can practice breaking those things down into smaller blocks. So if we throw out an example, here's a terrible thing that happened to me once. I had to get to the airport, and I was running late. So what are the major scenes and tropes and beats of that particular event? Well, the alarm clock didn't go off, right? So if the alarm clock didn't go off, that is a specific thing right there, right? And then you have the tension of driving down the highway to get there, and there's traffic, And, like, you're just not going to get there as fast as you wanted to. And then there's parking in the lot and the bus to get you from the shuttle lot to the airport taking twice as long as it normally does, you know. And then there's the upbeat of getting there and you're not actually too late. And then you see the huge line at security that is so big. (laughs) And your heart just drops through your feet again, right? That's the next beat. Upbeat of getting there, downbeat of getting into security. And those, so each of those individual things are building blocks that you can draw on as you're improving at the table, right? In, any individual piece you could pull out for something else.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, for instance, if you were, you know, if you were running a game and you needed to, uh, and you needed to, you wanted to improvise a, npc that was running late for something like that piece of life experience gives you some sort of context by which to frame the uh this npc like what will they feel like what is their mood level right depending on where they are in this kind of arc for getting there
1: mm-hmm. right yeah um, yeah absolutely
0: right because you lived it right so it's a thing uh, yeah you, right it's a thing you can draw upon <laughs> Yeah, yep. I didn't I didn't write that example out of thin air. Like
1: <laughs> No, I know you didn't. <laughs> I was oh. I was
0: on the other end of the text messages during that uh during that whole escapade. And that was a many, many there was many, many um I was years ago, a completely different life ago.
1: Literally sick to my stomach. You were actually literally sick to yeah. my stomach waiting in that line.
0: So Oh, that was
1: awful. Let's not talk about it anymore.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like we do actually, since you didn't actually complete the arc, so people did, know you, I mean, you actually missed the flight, right?
1: I did. Yeah. We actually missed the flight. Yeah. yeah. And thankfully, Southwest was amazing and like figured it all out for us and got us on something we were only like 40 minutes later than we were going to be. That's awesome. It was amazing. So yeah, cool. But it was awful.
0: All right. So yes. So, so your own life is um, your own life can be broken down into inspirational blocks, but um, the same thing can be, ha- the same thing can be said for uh, media. So uh, if you are watching TV shows, reading comic books, reading books, going to the movies, like that is all material. Like that is all potential material for you to use. And, but you have to start training yourself to not just passively consume media but to start actively consuming it. And what I mean by actively consuming it is as you are watching media, look at how stories are arranged. Look at what structures they use. Did they use a flashback? Why did they use the flashback? When did they time the flashback, you know, in order of like in terms of beats to make the flashback more relevant? Did they foreshadow things? How How did they foreshadow what was happening in the story? what beats were they did they use after a really tense chase scene what scene followed because usually in in beat structure a tense scene is followed by something calm so like everybody runs away and then there's a moment of exposition or character uh, interactions in the calm just after the you know after running away what kind of tropes did this media rely on are they hitting things like the uh, you know, like the lone wolf superhero are they doing the you know the goody two shoes superhero you know contrasted to the the vigilante hero, and which ones are they subverting which tropes which tropes look like they're predictable, but somehow the writers have turned around and kind of you know flipped you know flipped over to kind of you know subvert that feeling from you like those are all things. That you should start getting into the habit of doing, as you are uh, looking at stories, and even better if you have friends who do it as well. Like Chris mm-hmm. is, Chris is great for this, right? Like anytime you watch a movie with Chris, Chris, you know, will constantly talk about, you know, like oh that that story structure was really smart, or oh like you know that was really like that was really good how they you know they brought this character in you know, in this way, in this time, in this method kind of thing. And kind of, you know, he'll go on about what worked about it, what didn't. Like, I remember Chris and I once had like a three-hour discussion about what worked in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like,
1: Uh-huh. Hint, well, they nailed it.
0: Yeah, hint all of it, right? But like, <laughs> but, but but it was spoilers. like a, you know, it was like a, yeah, spoilers the whole movie. Um, <laughs> but it was really good in talking about just like how, like, Like, think about it. I'll just, I'll give an example really quick. If everybody's seen Guardians. So the opening sequence where Peter's in the ruins, right? Uh
1: Uh So Uh
0: he puts the headphones on,
1: right? Yeah, everything is mysterious and mysterious and dark and kind of creepy. And then...
0: Right, he puts the headphones on, right? He Uh puts the music on. And then what you see is his personality portrayed in movement, Right. Mm-hmm. So we know, like we learn a couple things, right. So he's competent, right. Because a couple of, mo- like a couple of creatures try to get him and he shoots them. But then at the same time, we know he's whimsical because he's like dancing around,
1: like um, kicking, kicking little rat. Pieces. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like you, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like there are so many other ways they could have laid that out, but that sequence with no words and just a little bit of action while they were able to get the credits rolled through, conveys like a whole bunch of stuff so again this is things like you have to learn how to take apart because the the takeaway skill from that is how can you portray an npc how can you portray an npc's personality in just the way they move right right or a
1: pc i mean this this applies to playing characters too i mean we're talking about gming but
0: these things this, all work for for yeah. characters as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. All okay. right. Good.
0: Yep. So go
1: anyway, sidebar about Guardians of the Galaxy aside. <laughs> good movie. Basically, what happens is when you start building that habit of analyzing as you do it, um, what you're doing is you are literally doing what we talked about earlier. You're taking cans of food and you're putting them on the shelf so that when you haven't gone grocery shopping, A.K.A prepped notes, like written a bunch of stuff down, you can yank things off the shelf and throw something together, right? Absolutely. So that's the idea is that you've you've filled it up. You have all of these resources to draw on that you can create things out of all of this inspiration. Anyway, so then you will need all of those parts in your kitchen as we move on to play.
0: Exactly. Now, listen, the only way you become better at improv jamming is to actually do improv gming yes (laughs) you can read about it you can watch a hundred movies and analyze them but until you actually go and do some improv gming you won't actually get better at it so this is the scary part because it gming is a skill Mm -hmm. as we know it's about eight different activities um (laughs) probably (laughs) roughly round up it's about eight different activities um And when you change your GMing style, so such as like you move into more improv jamming, uh, you will be rusty. Mm -hmm. But it is, um, for a lack of a better term, it is a muscle. uh, And that the more you use it, the better it will get. Um, And the problem, I think, and I know it was a problem for me. Was that overcoming the inertia of like, well, I can prep a game and I can run it like they're like I can run it like a motherfucker. Right. Like if I prep a game, I'm so chill behind the screen, like I can make magic happen. And to have to force yourself out of that space into mm-hmm. a place where you're uncomfortable after literally for me decades of running in one style, Um it's scary and uncomfortable. And you're like, I don't know why I want to do this, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it becomes, it becomes a great tool. And, and, and honestly, the motivation I wanted to do it for was there were many times where I would go to conventions and people would want to play a game and like, I couldn't run anything for them.
1: Right. Because Because I didn't didn't have anything anything prepped.
0: Right. Like if I prepped a game and brought it to a convention, that was one thing, but like I, we couldn't just be sitting around and be like, Oh, let's play a game. Right, because yeah. I was like, oh, I can't do that. I can do that yeah. now.
1: Yeah, right? you can. Action movie world for the win.
0: I mean, I have a whole kit I keep of you, you games really can that are run all
1: sorts of things. Yeah, yeah,
0: I have a whole kit of games that are improv uh, ready to jump in with. It. So anyway, like Nike says, you got to just do this. Right. So yep. this is okay, but before we just throw you to the wolves, we have a little more advice, right?
1: Yeah, you are going to have to do it because you have to just do it. But there are some better ways to get started with it. Um, so we have some specific recommendations, right? So, what's your first one?
0: Some systems are better than others when it comes uh-huh. to improv. Oh my okay. gosh, so much. So, um, <laughs> when it comes to what game you're going to improv, some systems are just more helpful than others. Uh, yeah. and, and so, like literally any game, any game can be run in improv manner. Like I could run Champions off my you know off the cuff if i knew how to play champions um (laughs) but when you are like taking your first steps out into improv jamming you want to pick games where you're going to have to worry less about the mechanics so that you can focus more on improving the story right like because if you're wrestling the mechanics for the game again remember eight skills right um if you're having to wrestle the mechanics of the game and trying to come up with material on the fly, that's a lot of cognitive load. So save yourself that cognitive load and find a game uh, where you're not having to wrestle the mechanics.
1: Yeah. So basically you can, you you can do one of two things, right? You can pick a game that you have really good mechanical mastery over, because one thing you do not want to be doing is trying to improv GM And then be like, oh, but I have to look up the rules, right? Like, that's a situation when you're like, I'm not sure about the rules. I wish I had them all written down. That works better if you have a bunch of stuff written down, right? Mm -hmm. But you can pick something that you don't need to look up the rules for, right? So what's the other one?
0: Right. Um, Well, just like you said, the other one is pick up a game that uh, facilitates uh, improv GMing yeah um and so um, our best recommendations for this um, uh, will put you more in the story style and impro- in indie style of games, and they're often designed for um, low to no gm prep, right They'll just say it right in there like you are not encouraged to prep this game right So we are going to put together a list of a few suggestions, four of which that we think are uh, really good for improv play.
1: yes. Yep. So like Fiasco is, I mean, it's just, it's, you have to improv play. Otherwise you're not playing that game. Right. So just go play it.
0: Fiasco for a lot of people in the early 2000s was the gateway drug to improv uh, and story games. Um, A lot of us, myself included, I played Fiasco as a um, total traditional prep GM and i played you know fiasco as intended with no prep and was blown away by the experience like in fact in my essay in unframed that is um i talk about how fiasco was like taking the first hit right like it was <laughs> like it's um right
1: it's the first thing of like, oh my god, I don't know what's going to happen and I'm so excited to find out.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and oh my god, this game works when none of us have planned what's going to happen us in this game.
1: Anything and it still happened and it worked exactly. and it was great. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, the next one on the list is Swords Without Master. This one's going to be have a little bit more of a learning curve to get the uh, mechanisms, the procedures correct for the game. But this game is very much made for improv play. Like there is almost nothing you can do to prep this game um, when you start. And it is a wonderful exercise uh, for improv gaming in a very uh, fun, in a very fun way.
1: Yeah. Dungeon world. Dungeon World is a good one. And and lots of other Powered by the Apocalypse games also fall into that category, too. I, that's part of the reason that I play a lot of them, right? Um, because, and I think this is, this is partially the thing, right? Um, a lot of systems where you have a functionality that allows you to have partial success, success with complication, failing forward, that kind of thing, as it gives you it feeds you as a GM and makes you create story, right? Like, so games that include that kind of thing tend to be good for improv GMing.
0: Yeah, in fact, actually, what's really good about Powered by the Apocalypse games is that Powered by the Apocalypse games don't give the GM complete freedom to decide what happens on a six minus uh, it actually gives you a constrained list of moves now the moves are very broad so that you can make them fit the situation but they're very specific in that like okay when a player rolls a six minus pick from one of these eight things and make it happen in the story and that makes dungeon world a really and I say Dungeon World but again like you said it could be almost a, any of the other PBTA of, games but yeah. I pick on Dungeon World specifically because most people won't have to wrestle the tropes of the game.
1: Yes. If I yeah. give
0: if I give you Apocalypse World yeah. you are going to be wrestling the setting and the mechanics of the game. If I give you Dungeon World, I can skip you over because you've got orcs and goblins and shit down pat and you're just working on what to do with that 6-minus. Right. And
1: yeah, that is actually why I like running heroin, because like me and girl coming of age stories, like no problem. Let's go run the labyrinth again.
0: Exactly. So yeah. <laughs> so PBTA games are, I think, exceptionally good at getting you on your feet for improving because it is improv, but it is with improv with prompts and constraints. And that actually makes it easier than just wide open improv improv.
1: Yeah, it's that, we've actually talked about it before, it's that sandbox thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's easier to be creative within constraints than it is to be creative when you are, like, staring at an an endless, infinite opportunities and not knowing what direction to go. Anyway.
0: What's our fourth selection?
1: So the last one is lasers and feelings and all of those hacks also, which, surprise, surprise, both of the people on this podcast have written a hack of lasers and feelings, maybe because it's really fun to run as a quick little (laughs) improv game.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yep, which actually leads us to our next piece of advice. What's our next piece of advice?
1: Our next piece of advice is one-shots, short games, and small tables, right? So, like, make it low pressure. So when you're breaking in this new muscle that you haven't used a whole lot yet, don't run an eight-hour game for ten people. Maybe run a two-hour game for three people, right? Like keep it small, keep it simple, basically take the rest of the cognitive load, as much of the rest of the cognitive load off of you as you can so that you can focus on the improv skill, right?
0: Yep. And the next one is practice, practice and more practice. Look, you're only going to get better at this the more you do it. So once you have started on this path to start improving, run more of those one shots. Yes. Um, run them wherever, run them for friends, start going to the local game store, do it online. But the more you do it and the more you do it with regular frequency, the better that skill is going to become. And then you'll hit a point where you become comfortable enough doing it that you won't have to do it like all the time and you can kind of ease back. But, um, don't, what I guess what we're saying is don't like do, session and be like, all right, I'm gonna do some improv jamming and then wait three months to do it again, right? Like make it happen on a more regular basis and you will gain mastery faster.
1: Right. It's otherwise it's like going to the gym once and then like six months later being like, Wow, I think I'll go do that again. I'm so much stronger. Like you lost it.
0: (laughs) So our last bit of advice is to phase in your improv. So you don't have to the first time you do this go 100 percent improv like you don't yeah. have to be like, well, I used to write 10 pages of notes, but today I'm coming with a post-it note, right like you don't have to shock yourself into uh, into this. You can actually start with a hybrid version where you are doing some prep and then you start leaving out parts of your prep so like maybe you prep your game like you do your outline for scenes and stuff, but you omit any dialogue or descriptions because you're just going to improv those when you get to the table. Yeah. And over time you can just keep omitting things from your prep until you get down to a point where you are comfortable enough, like you're still comfortable running the game and you just don't have to write any more stuff. Um, And you know, when we talk about time passing, it makes us look at the elapsed time Which indicates that we have reached the end of the show. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, in order for us to get to the closing, we must barrel through another show on the network. And uh, who are we going to uh, plow through tonight in order to get to the closing?
1: Well, on the Wednesday Evening Podcast All-Stars, Brett, Tom, Kevin, Chris, and Andy get together and play games that get edited down into an audio drama for your ears. Join this crew of All-Star players as they create stories from the games that you love. Indeed.
0: I hear rumor that they're going to do Hydra Hackers at some point.
1: I mean, that would be cool. I think they're almost done with Avanti.
0: I know. All righty. Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet?
1: Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community, or you can drop us an email, panda at com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information?
0: Please, please, please send your topics. Um, I opened the topics list, and apparently people uh, listened the last Uh couple times because we got Uh a bunch more topics. I
1: I have Um, more to add from Jerry. He sent an email, and I haven't gotten them in there yet. Oh, thanks,
0: Jerry. We got Um, more. Yeah, we can always use more topics. It's super helpful. We don't come up with our own topics for a show, and we uh-huh. really like to do the things that you want us to talk about, just like this topic tonight. Mm-hmm. And um, so please, just keep them coming in. Um, I used to give, you know, I used to say, like, do them certain yeah. ways, but don't worry about it. I'll figure out how to make a show out of it. <laughs> you guys are great. We'll just talk about anything you like. I'm um, Senda, what's the Snacks, other thing? Snacks,
1: closets, yeah. whatever.
0: Snacking in closets.
1: What? no
0: oh i i did that as a kid
1: snacking in closets with raccoons
0: no not with raccoons no but i would make <laughs> little forts in my closets and then like you know like on my like you know and then i would eat i would have my like afternoon Aww. snack in my closet fort anyway
1: oh good
0: <laughs> anyway what else can you do with that social media information
1: well, I know a bunch of people are about to head out to, like, Game Hold Con, right? So while you're there, we want to see the awesome games you're playing with those awesome people. So post them on the social media of your choice. Hashtag them, Table selfie, and we'll swing by and like them.
0: Indeed. Uh, if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can always support our Patreon campaign. You go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get all sorts of goodies, access to the uh, bonus outtakes from this show, the uh, Misdirected Mark After Show, uh, access to our Slack Room for Life, the uh, show notes, which are just colorful and delightful. And um, and sometimes um, some of our patrons in the upper tiers get access to Encoded Designs releases before they get released to the public. So a whole bunch of patrons wound up with copies of Hydrohackers, Hackers, which, you know... Surprise! Surprise! We love doing that kind of stuff. Uh, the other thing we like to do is shout out to some of our patrons. I'm going to do these really quick we like to just shout out to some of the people who help support the show. Mike Dinos, the Inquisitor of Mark. Shout out to the old school DM. And a shout out to the secret weapon, Drew Smith. Say, Senda, there's a thing you can do that makes us as happy as uh, pandas eating bamboo. If you're unable to support the Patreon or already supporting the Patreon, what's that thing that is just as uh, awesome as just nomming down on a big stick of bamboo?
1: Yeah, it's almost as good as that. You know, when the bamboo is nice and green and the tomatoes are really thin. I love that. You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review actually really helps new people find the show because it pushes us up the ranks a little bit. And we love to, you know, make silly shows. And we do it so that you guys laugh with us. And it's the best. So leave us reviews. We really, really super duper appreciate them all and love all of you for doing it. Thank you.
0: We do indeed. Thank you very much. Say, Senda, show me how you're going to feed your creativity before the next game UGM.
1: This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. <laughs> <laughs> show me what you got, ay, show me what you got, show me what you got, me what you got, show me what you got, show me what you got,
0: click has been clicked. Click, 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 clickety-click.
1: Bloop! Uh, I did, there was a thing where I tried to go Shakespeare and the click clicketh, Kind of came to my head, and then you kept clicking, and I was like, suddenly I went into like, I'm gonna click it in the morning, gonna click it in the evening, or something weird. I don't know.
0: That, that, well, that, that's certainly... Well, you an,
1: took that, you that's took like that an differently.
0: That's like an anthem of my teenage years. Yeah, you
1: definitely took that differently than my head was thinking it. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Yeah. oh, that was a that that would that could have pretty much described all of my high school years.
1: Okay, there are like two things that I have to bring up in the outtakes. Two
0: the, the outtakes now have an agenda.
1: <laughs> they have an agenda because I was about to tell you a thing before we got on mics and then I was like, "Oh crap, I shouldn't tell you that right Please, now." Please by
0: should... all means uh, <laughs> on it, the, uh, the first point of the agenda.
1: The first point of the agenda, did you see that today is raccoon appreciation day? I'm I did just, not
0: our sister you, podcast has a has sister, an appreciation day?
1: I I there is no podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> I told those trash pandas no appreciation from us.
0: Oh, I don't know. It's their day. We should give them <laughs> should show them some love. No
1: denied appreciation denied. Can I tell you about the apple pie Oreos and the strange, juicy feeling they created in my mouth?
0: Uh, I mean, when you open like that, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> oh,
1: I, I have to bring this up because they're very strange. They're like they're supposed to be graham cracker outsides with like apple pie cream filling on the inside.
0: Uh-huh. Go on.
1: But when you bite into them, the hilarious thing is the noises and the uh that you're doing are exactly what happened at my gaming table when this happened, just so you're aware.
0: No, no, please, go on.
1: So when you bite into it, it does this weird thing where it, like, makes you generate more saliva like it's juicy, but you know it's not. It's really weird.
0: I'm utterly fascinated now.
1: They're gone They're freaky And I stopped eating them <laughs>
0: Bloop delete, delete, delete I don't know what to do with it. Delete, delete, delete I'm really now trying to figure out What?
1: <gasps> what? <laughs>
0: Bloop Don't I always?
1: <laughs> now I have to cut this too <laughs> Why would you do that to me?
0: <laughs> Why would you say
1: something like that? You were graphically describing it. <laughs> uh, I think I
0: acknowledged its existence. I don't think I graphically described it.
1: It may be, it may be in reaction to my gaming table. I think uh, you're
0: preoccupied.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. Somehow our games still managed to keep happening despite the champagne. And bloop. So anyway, you remember how we did that like whole episode on snacks already?
0: Right, we should stop, <laughs> right? <Okay. laughs> We should probably do a show.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: All right. You want to do a show?
1: (laughs) Sure. All right. Let's bang this out. Okay.
0: All right. You ready?
1: Yep. (laughs) 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 Meow.
0: Meow. Bloop. Hey, Senda.
1: I love it how you always say it like you're going to surprise me. (laughs) Sorry. Do it again
0: just make you fix it. <laughs>
1: no, I did I mean, my I can,
0: part. I did my part fine. Did, I don't know why I have to. But you're like
1: you're like you're like you like go really quiet and they're like, bloop. I'm sorry. I'll I'll just say my part now, shall I?" All
0: yeah. right. Hey, Senda.
1: No! You can't say it like that.
0: Well, see, then why are you making me all self-conscious about it? Oh, now let me try no, again and recapture I'm the sorry. magic of the show. I'm sorry. All right. I'm sorry. Reset. Everybody take okay. your places.
1: Meow. Meow. Bloop.
0: Boom, boom,
1: sneaky fact. They are totally show notes anyway.
0: <laughs> totally not improving the show.
1: Nope. bloop. Let me. <laughs>
0: <To> usually, it's
1: <laughs> my shtick. Like,
0: usually, it like, is your shtick. I know it's usually my shtick, but it's it- good. Yeah, go ahead. You, you, go ahead. Yeah, give yeah, it, yeah. it a, give it a okay. shot. Bloop. Fingerless. 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 Right, right. exactly. Fingless fingerless gloves. Now
1: hoodie, 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 hoodie. Now right. hoodie, 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 hoodie. No, hoodie, hoodie. hoodie, hoodie. No, don't.
0: that song is... <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Trying to have a discussion here.
1: I know, but fingerless gloves, fingerless gloves, fingerless gloves. No? No. No.
0: I'm just shaking my head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bloop. Show me what you got, show me what you got. Show. show me what you got. Show me what
0: you got. 51 minutes, that's not bad
1: No, I just keep almost hitting But almost messing up the princess bride quote
0: I know, that wasn't too bad
1: The mutton is nice and lean And the tomatoes are ripe
0: Yes, that's nice I I mean, I knew knew where you were going
1: You knew where I was going We keep talking about bamboo And so I keep not being able to help myself Mm -hmm. What do you think? God, we gotta end this damn show (laughs) Should
0: we pack it up? But 51's good for raw audio.
1: (laughs) No. No.
0: No, no, I'm saying it's good. Like, we should end right now. Say goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: we should. Okay, bye.
0: Bye.